past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant. We're excited that you've joined us here today. As usual, we're here to give you the tools and resources you need to take control of your own career. And today we are talking about how we can learn lessons from days of yore, if you will, and we have an excellent resource for that with us today in Anne Kate Sullivan. And Anne Kate Sullivan has a master's and doctorate in literature from Columbia University and has actually walked the British Isles and Ireland to be able to reclaim the stories that she's going to share with us today from her books, Heroines of Avalon and Legends of the Grail. And these stories are all about the Celtic goddesses and heroines. And we're going to be talking about how their lessons apply to women and men, probably, today in the workplace. So thank you for joining us today, Anne. Thank you for having me on your show. So this is such an interesting topic, and of course we've got the overlay right now of the Me Too movement and all of the talks about equal pay, and just so happens the timing of this, if I'm not really even a soccer fan, and I don't know how you could have missed the conversation about equal pay for the Women's Soccer League, and of course the U.S. team that just won um, the World Cup, just bringing all of this to the forefront and you've taken a totally different spin on it here and looking at the lessons that we can learn from the Celtic goddesses and heroines. So I want to start by just having you tell us um, some of the stories that just stand out to you the most. Which heroines do you think most identify with women of today? Well, I think they all do. I, I want to back, backtrack a, a little bit. So I, I, was, I was given an overseas research award uh, to get my doctorate at King's College London, which, which was really pretty amazing. I, I was from the South and somehow got a fellowship to Columbia University. I was one of the only, uh, I think I was the only Southerner there and somehow wound up teaching uh, Yates in London. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes, sometimes the red carpet does roll out. But what I, but what I was, a, I, when I started to walk through the, so I was given a stipend to walk through the west coast of Ireland and collect uh, folk tales. I was working on the the work of Lady Gregory, and um, you know, at the time, I was definitely very interested in, in being a very successful academic. That was my, that was my spiritual aim, my focus. And somehow, I wound up in these very mystical places collecting these tales of empowered women, and my goodness, see, I knew Greek tales, and I knew, I knew the goddesses from India, and I, I'd studied you know, all kinds of world mythology, I knew, I knew Joseph Campbell's work, and all of a sudden, I'm with these Celtic goddesses, and I went, ah, they were actually considered equal, and, um, and they're, you know, all of the, we have this role model, suddenly, not only how women can relate to men, and how, what women look like in leadership positions, but also how men relate to an empowered woman. Oh, very interesting. And something I had never heard of until I learned of your books. And we were talking about um, 
historic women in the the revolutionary time, the U.S. revolutionary time, a few weeks ago with an author, and just how interesting those stories were. So I'm very, very excited to hear some of these stories and what really are the lessons that you think women can learn. So let's talk first about women in leadership and what some what are some of the stories that have that essence that really show how these women were equals and and were leaders. So in in the Celtic tradition it, and and we're going back like the, the golden age is really 1700 BC and before. I mean, it, it does carry on until about the 5th century, but if you go way back to the Tuatha de Dunan, you get some really lovely, lovely characters. And so um, in that tradition, the goddess of sovereignty um, had to deem, if a man wanted to be a hero, a king or a hero, the goddess of sovereignty had to say, well, yes, you can do this and hand him a sword. You see, we see it in, in uh, the King Arthur stories when Lady of the Lake hands King also the sword because he's meant to carry the sword of power. And so there's, this, there's always this equality. The woman holds the magic, the man holds the power. Of course, you know, there are all kinds of variations on that, but that's, that's generally that's the sort of general theme. Now, um, what's interesting about a lot of the stories that I was collecting, and I, so I had to work through things, is that they had been, been written down by, thank goodness, St. Patrick went over, he did kick out the goddess tradition, but his his monks wrote down the stories because the Celts, the Druid, in the Druid tradition particularly, they didn't, it was an oral tradition, so they didn't write anything down. So the stories were almost lost, and then plus, in, in the Gaelic-speaking worlds were almost wiped out by the Romans and, and, you know, different invasions. And so luckily, Lady Gregory and Yeats and some other people started to collect these folklores. Now there's a, now there's a, a great renaissance. There's been a renaissance going on really since the Easter uprising of 1917, I believe, 19. So, um, so one of the goddesses, let, let, let's take one, for instance. Um, there was a wonderful, wonderful man named Cahulan of Merhevna. Now, he, Cahulan was like the, the Irish version of Achilles. And uh, he knew that he was supposed to be this great hero. And he was also a beauty. He, um, he got his name because when he was 10 years old, a dog attacked him, and he, and he subdued the dog. And so after that, he was known as the Hound. And, um, but he wanted, to marry, he wanted to marry the beauty of Ireland, and her name was Emer. And Emer could weave tapestries, and she was quite magical, and she could speak to the stars, and she, she understood what was going on. And she said... You know, her, her father was there, too, and it was agreed that, yeah, maybe he could marry, maybe Cuchulain could marry Emer, but he hadn't earned his position yet. So he was going to need to go to see Skyach. And, of course, everybody shudders because Skyach lives in the Isle of Sky, and she's pretty, she's pretty scary. You know? But he, he says, no, 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 this, I have to live into my destiny, and so he gets on his car or his boat, and he, and he sets sail over the, over the seas, and he, and he winds up through the Celtic Sea, and he winds up in the Isle of Skye, and he has to jump across, he has to go across the Bucking Bridge and jump across a ravine, and underneath are all these skulls, because most people don't make it. But as he's jumping, Skye knows, knows who he's supposed to be, and she's standing there waiting for him with a dagger. She's reading his future. She goes, aha, this is the one, so she takes off running. And so what she does is she puts him through a whole series of initiations, because the... Re- the reason, the reason the men 
he, you know, he was very powerful. He could subdue a huge dog. But what he didn't know was magic, right? And that's what Skyak knew. And so she, she could help him handle a lightning, lightning strike and, know, and understand how to work with that energy. She could help him find the golden apples of the immortal other world, the Isle of Avalon, so that he could heal. She could teach him how to cast a glamour. So when he rode with his chariot towards his foes, they, it looked like 10,000 people were with him, even though maybe it was one. And so, so there's a, that's one, one example of the, of the wonderful stories you know, that, that live in those Celtic lands. Okay. So women had power. They had equality. And men and women kind of went back and forth in terms of the talents and gifts and resources, if you will, that they shared with each other. Yes, yeah, so they there were warrior goddesses like Skyach. There was there were, there were queens like Queen Maeve, who was very powerful. Um, there were all kinds of judges and healers and dru- druids. There were just as many female druids as male druids who were the spiritual keepers of that land at the time. And um, there were bards and poets and seers and all sorts of things. And they knew. I mean, I think what was really lovely about that time is that they knew they knew that somehow women held the cup. They held this this little sip of the everlasting life that men didn't necessarily have contact with because the women gave birth and women helped take you out of the world, you see, and women helped heal. And, and so Caesar said that if, uh, if you come up against a Celtic warrior, then, you know, it's one thing. But if you come up against a Celtic warrior and his wife, and there are two of them, the male and the woman together, go home because you will not win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I always liked that. So, so this, the, a lot of these, a lot of the women that appear in both both books, Legends of the Grail, Stories of Celtic Goddesses, and I, I called it that not because it's about King Arthur and the Holy Grail, but because it's about the quest for the feminine that we've really lost in this in our materialistic culture. We've lost that ability to connect. Um, to the land, obviously, we keep throwing trash into it. You know, we haven't really learned how to move back into harmony and balance. And as I was working with these stories, I went, oh, okay, so the ladies are like, they know how to do that. You know, they know. So there's a whole feminine component that we've unfortunately lost. And, you know, who, our, our religions, our Judeo-Christian religions didn't really support it. In some ways, they supported it because they kept the stories. In some ways, they severed it, you know, so we only... We're sort of left with three Marys. And when you go back into these old traditions, you go, oh, my goodness, I have, a lo- I have lots of archetypes to choose from. And so, you know, when we get to the point, like, I started finding them uh, when I was, in, I was in my mid-20s and I was a professor at King's College London or I was teaching at King's College London. And I was working as an editor in uh, Americanizing children's encyclopedias with Kingfisher books. And I was kind of on top of my game, but I also, I also felt empty. You know, I felt that there was something missing. And I'm like, you know, if I'm, gonna, if I'm really going to get up and teach, I'm going to talk to these students about, I mean, how bizarre for an American to show up and teach British people about, you know, Irish people or their own, their own stories. But um, I was like, if I if I'm going to do this, I need to find I need to find the Holy Grail myself. I need to find the the Spear of Lou. The I need to find my own hallows, so that when I speak, there I have my roots, 
and I have and I have something that's real and authentic. So people want to communicate with me. They want to be with me. They want to learn because because they're finding something out about themselves. You know, you're, you're making your own your own connection with your own essence, your own divine divine qualities. Then, if you walk into a a classroom or you walk into a corporate office or you walk into wherever then you've got a little substance with you and people know it they can feel it very interesting so we're going to circle back to that here in just a minute we're going to take a short break and when we get back we'll talk about how we can connect or you know how we can get some of this power or essence for ourselves and then some of the other lessons that we can learn from these stories so we'll be right back in just a few minutes Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice of America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we're talking with Ann Kate Sullivan about heroines and legends of the grail, the essence and the power that can come from connecting to some of these stories of of our heritage and specifically the goddesses and and heroines that us women can pull some of our power from. And you were just talking about how connecting to some of these stories can really help us have more power, have a more powerful presence, if you will, when we walk into a corporate boardroom. So tell me more about that and how you've used some of these stories to do that and how you've seen others use some of these stories to do that? Yeah, well, I'll give you, I'll give you one example. I, so when I, went to go, when I went to go and sit for my, for my PhD, well, you have to go for this sort of final exam in, in England when you, you have to prove that you, you're actually an expert in your field. 
And it's pretty daunting, you know, <laughs> to go and you have to make sure that you've used British spelling and that you actually have your facts straight and that your, your footnotes are accurate and all these things. It's, it's, a good te- it's a good test. It's difficult. There's a 50% failure rate. So, you know, so I, so I remember walking across the bridge at Waterloo and I'm just, I'm just kind of praying. I'm like, you know, all these Danu and Erin Ruud and Bridget and Kaliach and all these women that have been with me and, and also some of the, some of the, the fellows too. I love Taliesin and some, I love Arthur. I'm like, please be with me and just help me show up. Help me show up in a way where I can connect to the people that I'm speaking to, uh, help them understand that I really love my subject and that I have, I have spent these years really absorbed in this. And so I think, you know, when, you, when you, I went to all these sacred sites, and not only did I go to all these sacred sites, but I found so much about my own lineage, my own family. You're talking about U.S. history. My, I'm from Virginia uh, we were given a land grant, grant supposedly in 1668. I haven't found that paper yet, but we've had this land grant for a long time. And we used to actually uh, gallop. My grandmother used to gallop the horses and, and hide them during the Civil War. They used to gallop them into the marshes. <laughs> so I knew um, that we, we had um, relatives that were from Bamberg Castle in, in, in the north of England because they were buried there on the farm. And so I had their names, and I was able to trace them back to to the Knights of Northumbria, and they were all part of Arthurian legend. And um, so, you know, actually go back to the same. In some stories, go back to the same uh, uh, castle as Lancelot and the Ladies of the Lake. So I thought that was just it really got my imagination going. So, and there's also something that happens too. I mean, I think what set me on the quest was this. Yeah, so there was, I had a certain. I had developed a lot of my masculine qualities. I was good at what I did. I was top of my field. And, and yet, at the same time, I knew something was missing. And it was like I was really clear about the world from about my belly to my head. <laughs> and then something was missing from my belly to my feet, you know. And, and I, I just, I knew it. And, and so... There's a, a lovely book by a woman called Sharon Blackie that just came out. It's called if Women Rose Rooted. And it's, it's really that idea. When you go back and you find your lineage, I mean, the lineage you're going to find is probably going to be a royal lineage because those are the only ones you can trace. And, and most of us have somewhere in our, in our DNA, we, we go back to something special. And, you know, when I was able to trace my lineage through the Scottish kings and the Irish kings and queens, back through the Middle East to Enoch the prophet who, who was taken up by God in a chariot, all of a sudden I felt, you know, who knows if it's myth or if it's real, but it didn't matter because what I felt was this, like, whoosh of light. And I went, oh, look at all these beings that are behind me, who love me, who are supporting me. Yes, you know, I'm on my mission, and this is supposed to happen. So I don't know how this is going to, ha- to happen. I'm sure there's going to be difficulty. I'm sure I'm going to run up against a few things, but I have a team that's with me that I can always call upon. That that um, rising from roots is interesting because, as you say, we tend to develop the masculine qualities first and almost push down the feminine qualities, um, which then, by default, makes us inauthentic, right? You can't be authentic as a woman if you're denying your womanness. Well, you know, I, I was raised in this culture, so I, I, 
really literally thought that if, if I connected to my feminine qualities, I would be weak. I'd be considered weak. I was, I was worried. I, 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 you know, I was like, oh, pink, you know, cotton candy. Oh, you know, I can't do this. I, you know, if I, come, if I come with a loving consciousness, well, I was completely and utterly wrong. But it took me, it took me some time to really work through my, my conditioning. It's not true. You know, if we, if we come in, in as half beings and try to push our way through with ego and persona, we're not going to, we might get a few places, but really ultimately we're going to be empty and fall short. If we can't, if we really find the fullness of who we are, all of the masculine qualities, which are great and they're, you know, helps, helps us with action, helps us with thought, but also all of the feminine qualities too, because that's our magic, you know, really, that's life. Feminine, when we include the feminine, we, we shift actually from culture of death to culture of life. And our whole planet needs it, really, that shift. You know, that's the flowering of the ages. When all of a sudden we're, we, we show up as whole beings and we go, we really are not going to support something that creates an echo side. We know we're really not going to do that anymore. We're going to join hands together. We're going to do this together, men and women together all colors, all traditions, all over the world. We're going to do this together, and we're going to bring ourselves into a golden age. So let's talk about that a little bit more, the men's side of it, because I, you know, obviously we have listeners of men and women. What are some of the lessons that men can take away from these stories and how men operated differently during these times? Well, I have a great masculine story. So when I met my husband... He happens to be 99% Irish, according to Ancestry.com, and he has Irish passport and American passport. But he, he played football with the Jets and the Bears, right? <laughs> he's an ex-middle linebacker. So he's a, he's a big guy. He's very, very masculine. So I met him, and we immediately hit it off because we wanted to you know, walk the, the paths of St. Patrick, and we wanted to collect folklore, and he, lo- he loved Karnanas. We, we, you know, he knew the same kind of deities that I did, and um, he was absolutely convinced that he had to go back and find the goddess, that, this w- that it, unless he did this, somehow he was not going to be whole. <laughs> so, so it's just so cute these days when he goes, when he like will bring me a little goddess statue and goes, he's like, I found another piece of the goddess that lives within me, look. <laughs> You know? And I think what's really, what's really happened, what's happened for him as he's really found, you know, there are all kinds of, all kinds of goddesses, right? You've got, I mean, Sheila and the Gig, you've got Danny, you've got mother goddesses, you have fertility goddesses, you've got, you've got magical goddesses, you've got goddesses that can sing to the stars, you've got goddesses. We, we, we've gone into um, passage passage tombs together, which is, which is actually pretty amazing. You, you have to crawl inside this dark space and you put your back, back up against the stone so that you can learn to dream with the land. And I think both of us have had really profound experiences doing that, you know, because we were like, oh my goodness, you know, there, this earth, is, this world is very animated. It's always dreaming. It's very, very, very creative. And when we can, can create with that energy, oh my goodness, we have so much to share. It's very abundant. I mean, connecting with the goddess is actually connecting with abundance, seriously. So, um, you know, sometimes it's really hard to turn these things off. <laughs> you know, once you get the mind, it's, oh, stop, stop, I can only do one book at a time. But uh, so, so I would say for men, I mean, what John Patrick has learned is like deep, 
when you when you really bring in the feminine qualities, you learn to listen deeply. The receptive qualities. I can hear you. I can feel you. I can see you. I can dance with you. I can explore with you. And together, now we're a team. You know, because when we're two, when we're both just operating off of masculine energy, you've got there's there's no way to re- there's nobody's receiving. But when when a mass, when the male can receive, I'm oh, I'm in my creative thing, and he's he's receptive. I'm hearing you, yeah. Then he's supporting me. I just won thirty literary awards, and he was with me for every one, backing me up, and he's taking photos, laughing, and smiling, and supporting. You know, and then when he's doing his thing, we can swap it, and I can be like, yeah, look at my husband. He's so beautiful. He's so wonderful. I can back him. And so I think we've we've found this sort of Celtic dance together. I believe. You know, we're really supporting each other and flowering equally. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's a good model. Well, Anna, you've hinted at this a couple of times, but the whole idea of male and feminine energy does not mean male and feminine sexes or genders, right? We all have male and, and feminine energies and it's that balance and there's even research that relationships are most successful when both partners can access both energies, right? There's a a synergy there that happens that doesn't happen if we deny those energies. Exactly. I mean, if you make it really simple, if you think of the masculine, if we think of elements for a minute and you, and you think of the two masculine qualities being air or, you know, thought, and you think of fire, which is energy, you know, creativity. They're, they're both fantastic energies, but if you have too much of that, you get what? You get a, a forest fire, right? So, right. and the feminine qualities are generally uh, earth and water. And so, but if you get too much earth and water, you get sort of a stagnant pond. So you really need all four and then when you're balancing all four, you can go, and people sometimes think of them more in terms of angels, you know, they go, oh, the angel of the air, you know, bring me inspiration, oh, angel of the fire, bring me some creativity today, so I have, so I have something, so I'm ready for my meeting, I'm ready for my talk, you know, or, oh, I need my watery element so that I, I can flow and I can connect with, uh, I can let go of what's not serving me and I can connect with what, I can sip, I can sip, you know, the water of the other world. And then the earth, too. I mean, if any quality, if there's any quality we really, really need to connect with that we've we sort of abandoned is earth. And you, and you know, in Celtic, in Celtic mythology, if you abandon the earth, if they call it the goddess of sovereignty, who's the embodiment of the earth. If we abandon the earth, we create a wasteland. And when we go to wasteland, we get fires and tornadoes and earthquakes and storms. And, but we move back into harmony with her, then... And we all move back into harmony and balance again. Interesting. Well, so as we're closing up our time here together today, tell me what people can do to find you and to find your books. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm easy to get hold of. My my name is spelled A-Y-N. And so a little bit after, the, there's a goddess, Anya or Ain, and... Uh, in the Irish tradition, she's the goddess of brilliance. She's, she's the solar goddess. So anyway, so if you go AYN, my first name, AnnKateSullivan.com, you can, I've got a newsletter and I have a blog and I have 
um, all kinds of events, and you can contact me. My books are easy to find. You can find them on my website. You can find them at Barnes & Noble or Amazon and most bookstores. And if you want a signed copy, you can get hold of me on my website under contacts. And um, I'm a publisher, too. I sometimes take on other spiritual books. Um, I'm interested in women who are doing visionary fiction, mostly in children's books that are that have a spiritual theme, because those are the two areas I feel are kind of missing and are missing in the publishing world right now. So I'm trying to shore that up. And, um, yeah, so I hope you'll, you'll get interested in Quest and find your hallows that you need to make a great success of your life. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Anne. This was wonderful to hear your stories and hear the lessons that we can take with them, take with us today from these stories from long ago. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. So we're going to say goodbye to Anne, but we'll be right back here on the Career Confidant to give you some more thoughts to take away with you today. We'll be right back here on the Career Confidant. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we were talking to Ann Cates Sullivan, who interesting books here. They're award-winning books in the indie world. Heroines of Avalon and Legends of the Grail, Stories of Celtic Goddesses. And the idea behind her work is really to 
go back and look at these stories and look at these heroines and goddesses who inspired women and this idea of the divine feminine. And this is important for all of us. Um, It's a little more wooey-wooey than what I usually talk about on the show, but it's important when we think about our authenticity and bringing our our authentic selves to work. And, And we know that this is so powerful for us as leaders to be successful. It's powerful for us as employees to be happy and successful, to be able to to be ourselves. And yes, we still have to work within our workplace. We have to meld with and understand our corporate brands, but we can't do that. And we can't serve our company well, represent our company well, if we're not also comfortable with ourselves. And she's brought up a different aspect of this authenticity than we've ever talked about before, which is really understanding and embracing our female, male energies, however you want to think about it that way. And you know what this looks like, right? It's the, and it's varied within each individual. You might say some women are more feminine than others, naturally, and there, there's difference there. It's, it's important for us to understand that. And men, likewise, can have more or less uh, feminine and masculine energies. And doesn't sometimes we can over equate that to sexual orientation or other things, although I think that that tendency has been lessened in the recent past, which is nice, because this is part of our makeup, part of our being that is very societal influenced, but is natural if we would let it be. And that's hard for a lot of us women in feeling the pressure to perhaps be more masculine than they would be naturally to succeed in the workplace, um, to be respected in the workplace And men, same thing in many ways, to be driven more by that masculine energy than maybe they would be naturally, um, and and therefore missing out on some of the other parts of life. Um, And men are starting to combat that. We're seeing lots of talks about men being more adamant about their engagement with their family and wanting to be involved more with their their kids or other types of feminine, if you will, stereotypically feminine activities, even with pets, etc. And that's good for us all to be able to have the opportunity and the space to figure out what that looks like for us and how we want to express it. And when we talk about branding, which we talk about a lot in the show and authenticity and being able to to show up as you are, it can't happen if we are denying some of these very basic parts of ourselves and of our personalities. And that impacts us in every way. So she talked a little bit about presence And for women, especially to walk into a boardroom or a a meeting that they're leading and 
to in some ways not halfway come to that situation. And if we're denying that feminine energy, uh, especially denying it to the level that it's inauthentic to us, we're not we're not coming as we fully are. And if we deny those pieces of us, both male and female, either way, we're not embracing and using all of our skills, all of our talents, all of the decision-making processes even. So this goes to a totally different area, but when we go through the Myers-Briggs type indicator and you go through the decision-making piece of that assessment, and it's not something that people talk about very often, but it's actually one of the most powerful pieces of that assessment, is that all decisions consider four elements. They consider the the details, if you will, and that in the Myers-Briggs is the sensing, this, the five senses, the, the details, all the elements that make something up and the big picture. Each of us looks at one or the other of those first, but if we deny the other one, we're going to be in trouble in that decision, right? If you just look at the big picture and not the details, you're going to have trouble. If you get stuck in the details and can't see the big picture, you're going to have trouble making a decision. We have both pieces in us, Myers-Briggs, theory was that we have one that's more natural to us and that knowing what is natural to us then makes it easier to say, okay, I'm going to see the big picture first. Let me look at that and then fill in the details or vice versa, depending on your personality. And then there is the kind of decision-making piece of it. So that's the gathering information. And then the decision-making piece of it is whether we are deciding based on feelings or logic thoughts if you will thoughts and feelings um the words there really get in the way for people when we talk about this in the mbti because it's not that if you decide based on feelings you're emotional and ushigushi and don't have a backbone although that can happen if all you ever do is make your decisions based on feelings but it's actually very important because that feelings piece is not how I feel, that feeling piece and people that are really good at accessing that piece, they're really good at thinking through how the decision is going to impact other people. And then the logistics, or not the logistics, the factual, the thinking person, the data-based person is going to look at the data behind whatever decision they're going to make. So you think about, you know, if you're going to buy a vehicle, there's probably one person in your family who has to go through all the data and look at the consumer reports and you know, make sure that it's the best car in its category and it's got all the safety ratings and you love that person. And then there's the person that walks into the car lot and goes, ooh, that one is pretty or it's the right color or it makes me feel good when I'm in it or it will fit my whole family. It'll really make everyone else comfortable. Um, That's more that feeling side. Now, a good decision goes through all four pieces regardless of what that individual's preferences are. So I may prefer the big picture and prefer the data, but if I'm going to make a good decision, I'm going to consider the details as well as the big picture. I'll probably start with the big picture, then get the details. And I'm going to consider the facts and the data and then how this decision is going to impact others. If I don't access all four areas of that decision-making process, it's not as good as it could be. Now, I'm t- 
kind of going into this example because it's very similar to what I see in in any ways in terms of our feminine and masculine energy. It's not that one is good or bad. Unfortunately, our society in some ways can put those judgments on it. But if we can access both and understand both and accept both and maybe even value both, we'll come to the table with much more of our our toolbox, our tool chest, and we'll be able to interact better with everyone around the table because we realize that everyone else around the table has both of those energies as well. And how we can access those and the strengths that come from those is an interesting discussion. And that's another thing that she didn't really touch on, but I feel in our society is starting to shift is just the value of these two energies and when you look back at the story she was talking about with the goddesses and the heroines and and the give and take that was going on there um the lady of the lake handing king arthur the sword of power there was more of an appreciation perhaps of both female and masculine And we have to be careful in our current movement to not devalue one for the aspect of valuing the other. Um, That's always a hard conversation to have because, of course, when one is getting devalued, it needs more boosting. But we can't boost it in a way that devalues the other. Boost it on its own right, not by putting the other down. And that's our challenge, really, with this current movement, this current idea of feminism, is that they were equal, but they weren't the same. And they valued each other's differences, talents, and presence in the story, in achieving or making possible whatever it was that they were trying to do. And that's a hard place for us to be because we tend to build ourselves up, ourselves as a group, ourselves as an individual, up by putting others down. And that doesn't achieve the, the goal that we're looking for here where both energies are valued and people of all genders can express both energies authentically. If we say that male is bad and female is good, it's really not any better than saying male is good and female is bad. So we're going to take a short break when we come back here, give you some more tangible takeaways from this and ways that you can use the power of these heroines and goddesses to improve your own professional presence. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired 
Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are tuned into the career confidant with marie zimanoff if you have a question or comment for marie or her guest today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to marie at a strategic advantage.com now back to the career confidant welcome back to the career confidant And today we are talking about the goddesses and heroines of, I guess, the old Irish tales. And really the idea coming from Anne Kate Sullivan's books on on this topic, and I would encourage you to, to go to her website and check out her books there. In a YN, which makes it easy for you to find. And the idea here is really one that's core to success. And one of my biggest lessons in this and how it impacts people all across their career spectrum is during a leadership class, I was fortunate enough to be one of the coaches. And at the end of the class, everyone had to give a presentation about what they learned from the class. And one of the presentations was a video of sketches that this student in the leadership class had done. And I don't remember what his role was in the organization. But anyways, his artistic skills absolutely amazing. So he had done caricatures of every single person in the class and included some element of what he had learned about them. So something they were interested in or something he'd learned about each student. There's 20 students in the class. So in two minutes, because they had a very strict time limit, I believe it was two minutes, he had caricatures of each student going across the screen and it's showing his sketch. So it's like an active sketching, right? The character characters are just being sketched and appearing in front of you with each person's personality woven in there to the pictures. And then at the end, his main takeaway comes up that I get to be me. And he said that that was the most powerful thing for him in the whole class 
was learning that he could be and would be more effective as an employee and as a leader if he was authentic to himself, if he was him, if he acted from his being instead of trying to be someone else or trying to lead some like someone else or trying to do things like someone else. And it was incredibly powerful and yet such a simple message that it is impossible to follow someone who's trying to be someone else. You can tell. You can see right through it. And usually it's not consistent because then when they learn about someone else who's even better or cooler or whatever it is, they change to trying to be them. It doesn't work. My husband always tells me about these stories of of his former workplace where the leaders would have a new thing every six months It'd be this book, you know, as the five-minute manager or the gimba walks where you were supposed to walk around and interact with people working or the five dysfunctions of a team. And each month, each quarter, each every six months even, it was something new. And that doesn't work well for employees, especially if there's no thread drawn between the, th- the things but it's hard to keep up. What's the new philosophy today? And we can do that as individuals if we're not clear on who we are and if we don't understand that it's actually better to figure out that piece, to figure out who we are, what we value, what our passions are, and then connect it to work. We don't you know, we, we don't get to necessarily change work all the time and and it, it may not be the best fit where we are all the time, but that's active working on purpose is knowing you and then being able to actively connect it to your work every day to find those elements where you have purpose to find those elements where you get to use your skills, use your talents to shine and do that for yourself. And the idea of being rooted, this is one of the things that Anne said, was, you know, really to be good leaders, we have to have those roots. And although she was talking about it for women, which it may be more challenging for women because part of who we are has been, historically, at least in many cultures, devalued. And if we are trying to hide that, if, if we are devaluing it, it's really hard for us to show up authentically. But this happens to everyone for some reason or another, usually. You're too young, you're too old, your skin color isn't like the rest of the in-group in your company. Whatever it is, there's usually your some reason that we feel marginalized and if we let that marginalization get in the way of us showing up authentically we're going to have a hard time there's a fine line to work there walk there in terms of adapting to the other culture and um, making it connecting the dots but if we're trying to show up as someone else it, it isn't going to work So what are the areas for you 
where you're trying to hide whatever that is at work? Do you need to hide that at work? The same class where this gentleman gave this excellent presentation, one of my clients in that class was a middle-aged woman who had been hiding and kind of taking on other people's definition of what an executive assistant was or what a, an assistant, an admin assistant was. And so she was minimizing everything she did. She was shirking from other opportunities because she was just an administrative assistant. And when we think about how limiting that is for her, And how transformational it was for her when she saw it. And she also realized that she could bring herself to work and her passions to work in an appropriate way. Her role in the organization exploded in a good way in the direction that she wanted it to. And many times when we find ourselves stuck or we feel like we're not getting the opportunities that we want, Think about the ways that you might need to, or that you could, show up differently, more authentically, and make sure that people know what your passions are, know where you're headed. It doesn't have to be self-promotion because it's, it's authentic. It's driven from that place of energy that is authentic to you and where you want to go. And if we're hiding that, or we're hiding some other piece of ourselves at work, we're really going to have a hard time getting people to take notice of us because they see that inauthenticity and it's not attractive in in the sense of people don't want to, to be around it and to follow it because it's fleeting, it's hollow. And how can we reduce that within our lives while still being mindful of the fact that there may be areas that aren't as accepted, but oftentimes we can be too hesitant there, be too guarded and not even give people the chance to know who we really are and to want to follow us, to want to be around us, to want to include us on the things that we want to be included in. So that was my main takeaway here today from Anne, is that if we want to show up rooted, we have to be comfortable with those roots and we have to be ready to show enough of them that people can see that they're authentic because we can't grow, we can't fly, we can't do any of those things if we don't know what what those roots are and, and aren't comfortable expressing them and communicating from them. So a little bit different show, a little bit different energy from our speaker today. I, again, I hope you'll take the time to check out her books and Kate's with a C, Sullivan, And of course, we'll be right back here again next week on The Career Confidant with another great show. We look forward to seeing you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. 
Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.